Buffin Fuckatash. What are we listening to? The Movie Rob Minute Podcast. Keep on listening. Indeed, the either the either the uh, that's all, folks. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 90 of Season 3 of Movie Room Minute, the daily podcast, where we yippee our way through the 1988 Bruce Willis action film, Die Hard, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me today to finish off the week is Aaron Newworth of Out Now with Aaron and Abe. Welcome back, Aaron. No oh, shit, lady. Does it sound like I'm ordering a pizza? No, that's no fucking shit, lady. I was cleaning it up a bit. <laughs> I you, Aaron. That's not like you. You don't you don't clean this stuff up. I'm <laughs> um, I'm I'm used to no holds barred with you. <laughs> well, I feel welcome to the party. There you go. Welcome to the party, pal. <laughs> I'll kiss your fucking Dalmatian. <laughs> so minute ninety begins with uh, Hasseldorf continuing to uh, explain what his book is all about and what's going on and ends with Robinson beginning to respond to Johnson. So yesterday we, we ended things in the uh, TV studio where Gail Wallens was talking to uh, uh, professor Hasseldorf uh, who was talking about his, uh, his famous book that uh, Aaron is going to be making a, uh, you know, his own version of hostage, terrorist, terrorist hostage. <laughs> Or was it terrorist hostage hostage terrorist? Hostage terrorist. Terrorist hostage. Hostage. Okay, I got it right first. Okay, there you go. And uh, so he continues and goes, well, Gail, by this time, the hostages should be going through the early stages of the Helsinki syndrome. <laughs> and then we get a shot of, of Harvey, the the other anchor. It goes, as in Helsinki, Sweden. <laughs> and Hasselhoff looks at him and goes, yeah. Finland. He should have said Finland, you ass. <laughs> the the best is seeing the shot of the producer off camera, like just looking down and like, <laughs> so like, yeah. decides, like this guy's an idiot. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we 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 had a lot to say about Sam uh, a few months ago when 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 we first met him. Mm-hmm. Um, he he was a comedian, and one of the things that we we discussed on that episode that you can go and listen to is uh, when when he passed away, the 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 obituaries that people wrote to him, he was a comedian. So all his comedic friends, you know, wrote like really funny things, mm-hmm. uh, you know, on his obituary, which was, uh, I mean, like nasty things that you would normally, okay. that you wouldn't normally say to somebody, but they said he's the type of, Sam was the type of guy who would appreciate these type of things. Mm-hmm. Or actually Sam wasn't his name. Sam was his character's name. His real name was Mark Goldstein. That was his name. Mark Goldstein. Okay. He was a, a comedian who used to get very angry in in his he had angry like com- comedy and stuff like that so yeah <laughs> so yeah Harvey is just a complete idiot once again this, this movie is full of idiots isn't it yeah <laughs> do you th- do you think it's it's uh, disproportionate to the population or or uh... <laughs> I mean I don't worry I did your research I'm not a... <laughs> I'm not testing you on like what percentages of, of the population are idiots. I mean, I'd say so now, uh, you know, for the sake of a movie, like, yes, it's, it's, it's trying to balance a number of tones, which I appreciate because I think it does it successfully. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So have, have you ever heard of the Helsinki syndrome? No, but I've certainly heard of Stockholm syndrome. That's right. <laughs> now it makes you wonder why they would why they would change it here. You know, Stockholm syndrome was was an established you know thing at the time. It's not as if it's copyrighted or anything like that. Because I because these scenes are pure parody. I think that's why. I think you know, like having that book, hostage terrorist, terrorist hostage, and just the way the news is, the media is being presented here is very much like trying to take the piss out of it so i mean I, I think it's very purposely trying to obscure facts uh for the sake of so it's prophetic it was they were being prof prophetic <laughs> that's one way to look at it for sure uh but yeah I, I think the 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 more it can do to separate itself from reality the better when it comes to these press and media related scenes and i think that's why they changed it okay all right that makes sense so what is stockholm syndrome do you know what that is uh, Stockholm syndrome, to my understanding, is basically an area where you know people in hostage or kidnapping situations uh, find some level of emotional connection to their captor, um, which just comes from you know the the stress and the you know the, the the adrenaline, the trauma from that situation that drives you closer to somebody, even though it shouldn't that shouldn't be the case. Right. Okay. So. Stockholm syndrome is a condition in which hostages develop a psychological bond with their captors during captivity. It results from a rather specific set of circumstances, namely the power imbalances mm -hmm. contained in hostage taking, kidnapping, and abusive relationships. Therefore, it's difficult to find a large number of people who experience Stockholm syndrome to conduct studies with any sort of power. This makes it hard to determine trends in the development and effects of the condition, which just knowing that information makes it even funnier, the fact that, you know, Hasseldorf is trying to explain what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, do you know why it is called Stockholm Syndrome? I would assume it's because some professor in Sweden made it up, or some kidnapping occurred in Sweden? Yes. There, was, there were four hostages taken during a bank robbery in Stockholm, Sweden, in 1973. Mm -hmm. And after they released, they actually defended their captors and refused to testify in court against them. There you go. Yeah. So they basically said there are four key components that characterize Stockholm Syndrome. You have a hostage development of positive feelings towards the captor, no previous relationship between the hostage and captor, a refusal by hostages to cooperate with police and other government authorities, and a hostage belief in the humanity of the captor, ceasing to perceive them as a threat when the victim holds the same values as the aggressor. Okay, so the irony here is, is that where would anyone think that that's what's happening here? That's why it's complete nonsense. Um, and then the parody of this kind of scenario, <laughs> like they're yeah. they're at the point of bringing in experts on something very early in the stage of it happening. Throughout this entire gaffe that 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 Harvey has, he still is able to keep his composure. You know, he, his his facial expression changes a little bit, but you know he doesn't really lose it. He doesn't lose now, it. He still looks if, embarrassed. Yeah, but I mean, he he looks embarrassed, but but he still doesn't doesn't make it. Uh, oh, yeah, he's a professional newscaster. He he's saving face. Well, he's a professional idiot. Yeah, he's all he's also <laughs> that. He has two jobs. He got promoted in one just that day. Um, but um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, yes, <laughs> he he holds composure, but there's still you can still see a resentment in his face as far as I uh, screw that up. <laughs> right. 
That's true. Now, do you know who the most famous person is who suffered from uh, from from uh, Stockholm syndrome? Or I don't know who Alita. Who, who Stockholm syndrome can be attested to? Um, I don't know. I can't think of any kidnapping famous. Patty Hearst. There you go. That makes sense. Yeah. Who was the granddaughter of uh, William Randolph Hearst, and she was taken and held hostage by the Symbionese Liberation Army in 1974. And in the end, she, she actually helped them. <laughs> and she was arrested because she ended up helping them. And then she, she pleaded that she had Stockholm Syndrome. And uh, it didn't really work. <laughs> and she ended up going to jail for seven years for her help. But she was eventually pardoned by uh, Clinton, who, uh, you know, always, always had a, uh, uh, a soft spot for, for, for women. <laughs> and so then Hasseldorf continues and goes, basically, it's when the hostages and the terrorists go through a sort of psychological transference and a projection of dependency, a strange sort of trust and bond develops. We've had situations where the hostages have embraced their captors after the release and even corresponded with them in prison. And as this whole conversation is going on, it's great because you see um, Franco dragging Ellis's body <laughs> across the, the 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 room with the hostages all watching you know at the same time that that he's that that he's talking basically showing that Hasseldorf has absolutely no idea what he's talking about yeah he's completely clueless as to the real situation as to what's going on yeah, no, this this movie hates the press <laughs> it's very much anti-press in this movie yes <laughs> that, that is very true and um, and then the shot changes, and we we get to see our good friend Robinson again, you know, who's still trying to to to, to figure out something with the uh, dime with the demands that that he's uh, supposed to be getting through to. And he goes, no, 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 darling, Asian Dawn, Dawn, D A W N. Yeah, makes you wonder who he's talking. He, he sounds like he's talking to some secretary somewhere. Who? How is that going to help him? You know, <laughs> he should be talking to the mayor. He should be talking to the governor. I don't know who he's supposed to be talking to. Not, not to, you know, not not some darling. I'm assuming he's not talking to either the mayor or the, you know, no, he's, he's <laughs> or the governor. He's talking, he's talking, to, to, talking to somebody's assistant. Exactly. Well, it is the middle of the night on Christmas Eve. Yeah. You know, my my assumption is is that it must be. What what time do you think this is? Uh, I don't know. This point, like eleven. Getting up there. Okay. All right. That that uh, eleven is a fair assessment because the the news started at ten o'clock beforehand. So it's 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 eleven eleven thirty something like that. You know, time time has moved on a little bit. <laughs> and at this point. Uh, Someone walks up to behind uh, behind our good friend Robinson and says, "Sir, uh, yeah." See, he even stutters there when he's talking to somebody who's who's working with him. And he goes, "The FBI is here." Oh, the FBI is here now. Yes, sir, right over there. Hold this. And then Al looks at him and goes, "You want a breath mint?" That's great. 
he gives it like side of his face, like barely kind of care. It's like you want a breath mint, like it's a really good delivery. <laughs> you always get food. I don't know what the you know your minutes always have food in them. Okay. So wh- when do you think uh, breath mints first were uh, invented? God, I don't know. Um, like mint specifically, so it makes me think it's processed at that point. So when do you have things that are doing that? Candy, early 1900s. All right. Well, Altoids uh-huh. were were invented or were invented created in the 18th century. Okay. Okay, but the popularity of mints only started uh, becoming really popular in uh, the early part of the 20th century. So you were correct. Right. 1900. Okay. There you go. Because that's when they started with uh, mass urbanization and mass marketing. Yeah, that'd be that's where they were able to uh, you know advertise. And stuff like that. And then they were trying to get people to, you know, to realize they had bad breath. <laughs> so what better way to get rid of bad breath by, uh, by, by using mints. And there are tons and tons of different types of mints, but we're not going to go into them. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> I will spare you, Aaron. And so they mentioned here the, the FBI. So what do you know about the FBI? Uh, formed by Hoover in the, uh, what the, 40s, 50s. 40s or 50s? You ever seen the Untouchables? Yeah, Prohibition era. Not Prohibition. <laughs> Hoover headed it up, so never mind. Formed. I'm just saying when it's. <laughs> no, I mean, that, I, they're the Treasury, but still, you know, it's the. Uh... Yeah, I think its reputation changed over time, I guess is what I'm leaning on. Yes. But, um, it's one with a field. I don't know. 20s? No, you have to 1908. Yeah, be, I was going to say the 10s. Nineteen oh eight. So the FBI is a domestic intelligence and security service of the U.S. and its principal federal law enforcement agency, operating under the jurisdiction of the Department of Justice. The FBI is also a member of the U.S. intelligence community and reports to both the Attorney General and the Director of National Intelligence, a leading U.S. counterterrorism, counterintelligence, and criminal investigation investigative organization. The FBI has jurisdiction over violations of more than two hundred characters categories of federal crimes so basically they're federal police yeah that that's more or less what uh but i mean i find it interesting that they're the ones who are in charge of terrorism you know that it's you, you'd think that it would be some sort of uh some other type of organization that would be in charge of that well in 24 not ctu but i mean there you go okay <laughs> well, uh that's why <laughs> And you know that that's already been uh, was it twenty twenty two years since uh, twenty four when when did twenty four come out uh, two thousand one two thousand one yeah because it was it yeah. had to be altered um, based on nine eleven yeah <laughs> so yeah CTU works well works well <laughs> and they're also in charge of organ again getting going against the organized crime and you know. A lot, of, a lot of fun things that they deal with. <laughs> At this point, uh, we have the, this, uh, you know, <laughs> this fun, funny look from from Al, as you mentioned. And you know, Robinson doesn't really give much of a response to it. You know, he pretty much ignores it and then walks away and starts walking towards it and then sees the the FBI guys show up, uh, played by. Both Robert uh, Robert Davi and uh, Grant L. Bush. 
right? Yep. So the first of all, it's very funny that that the way that Robinson walks over to them, you know, he sounds very. He goes, "Hey, how you doing, man?" He's trying to be like overly friendly to, uh-huh. <laughs> which just makes him a real douche by doing it that way. Yeah. Oh, it. <laughs> It's a, it's always, whenever I hear it, it's weirdly uncomfortable <laughs> hearing him try to be like be yeah. pleasant in that way. Exactly. How you doing, man? And, you know, Grant, Grant L. Bush's response is, I'm Agent Johnson. This is Special Agent Johnson. <laughs> oh, how you doing? No relation. We get the extra beat. <laughs> no relation. Now, years ago, I'm trying to remember how long this was, maybe even 20 years ago, I was I was in Washington and I actually went on a tour at the FBI mm-hmm. and I asked them a question based on this movie. Mm-hmm. And I asked them, what's the difference between an agent and a special agent? And they said, absolutely nothing. <laughs> so I think the only reason they do it here is just to differentiate between the two of them. <laughs> But it's 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 one of the best lines in the movie. It's really funny. Yeah, you know, and it, 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 it and they follow up on it later also. You know, when yeah, other, when he's on the phone, he goes, the "No, one. the other Johnson, the other one." <laughs> exactly. And then he, uh, then uh, Robin starts saying, "I'm uh," he doesn't get to introduce himself. Yeah, you you know, yeah. People just have to come back on on Monday to to find out who who he actually is. Okay. <laughs> Or find out how much he stutters along the way. So, you have anything else for this minute before we get into the, the script? Uh, it it is just fun to like have the FBI show up and they're just very blasé about the whole thing. Um, will, you'll as we learn more in the movie, like they just don't care. <laughs> like, just, I don't I don't know what their goal really is beyond just showing up and handling a situation without any care for the hostages involved. But like it just it's a like. It's a weird because it's like it's comedic kind of, but at the same time it's like well, this is still a serious movie of hostages and like it's just trying to promote the idea that like John McClane's the only guy that can do this job correctly, um, I guess, um, which is its own form of propaganda I suppose. But I mean it's just this notion that like the FBI shows up, they're supposed to be the most professional, and they're just like, yeah, we're just kind of cavalier about this whole thing, Johnson Johnson, no relation. Yeah, no, but it, it works well. I mean the. This... I think that that's part of the whole joke of this movie, the fact that, you know, Hans is able to do what he wants to do because the FBI works in a systematic way. Yeah. Yeah, he's relying on you know, and, their thing, the way they do it. And as you said, they're very blasé here because, you know, this is just a typical situation for them. You know, they, you know, Ellis, uh, you know, makes some billion dollar deals for breakfast and these two guys, uh, you know, deal with the terrorists. Uh, every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the script, the script has a few, once again, a few minor discrepancies. Uh, one of the things it says that Fritz drags Ellis's body out of the office and throws it on the floor. You know, as as you have, uh, you know, Hasseldorf giving his uh, little speech about the hostages and stuff like that. So it's just, it's funny that they they just say it that way that he throws the body onto the floor. I, I think it's more effective the way we see it in the movie where they're they're you know dragging, dragging it past everybody mm-hmm. as opposed to just like throwing it at their feet and saying, Okay, look at this. Deal with this for the rest of the night or whatever whatever they're trying to say there. You know, so I don't know. <laughs> 
I'd agree. Yeah. It's, 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 yeah. It's, that's, you know, so, throwing is just more of a shock thing where dragging, it's like, yeah, okay. It's, yeah. Correct. And uh, basically, they, the, the, the script talks about that a big dark government car shows up, headlights still on, dominating the area where it sits. Robin step, Robinson steps up and sees two FBI agents right, who get out of the car. One is big with his back lit uh, through the silhouette, and the other one is it, and the other one is a little one. That's what it says. <laughs> and uh, the, it's actually Big Johnson who apparently says, I'm Special Agent Johnson of the FBI. This is Agent Johnson, no relation. And, you know, I've always seen Grant Bush as Little Johnson. He's the younger one, so it makes sense to me. Right, exactly. I've never, I never even, you know, I, I, I never thought about the differentiation between the two of them beforehand. Fair. You know, it's not something that... Yeah, I wouldn't say one of them is substantially larger in stature than the other one, but... Right. Exactly. And, you know, just knowing this movie is what... Because it's not like the movie establishes big and little. It's just the credits or whatever. Um, But, like, knowing this movie as well as I do, it's just... Yeah, he's he's the younger one, so he's the little Johnson. Yeah, exactly. So the the joke of no relation is still there. So that... that, Yeah, they uh, they knew they had a winner with that one. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> completely. And then it says Robinson steps forward with a plastic smile and introduces himself. But we'll we'll have to wait until uh, you know Monday for for his actual introduction. So, is there anything else you want to discuss about the movie in general? Now that uh, you know, now that we finished it with this minute, I mean, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. I love Die Hard. It's a fantastic uh, action thriller. Uh, I think Willis is great in it. Uh, Rickman's great in it. I love the supporting cast. There's so many memorable beats in this thing, like just outside of the main characters, you know, when terrorist eats a candy bar or, you know, police stabs his hand against the thorn in a bush. I mean, there's just like so many like touches in this. Those two happen in the same, same minute. Yeah. And it, it just, it's all that stuff that just makes it the movie that it is. It makes it memorable. It gives it, you know, it gives it the, things that a lot of movies today are missing where you get these kind of abstract moments that come out of nowhere and end up sticking in your mind for the rest of your life um, that you just don't get as much of these days, which is unfortunate Um, as far as like the franchise goes. Like I, I, I like die hard um, as a franchise. I, but I utterly despise the fifth one. Um, I think it's a terrible stain on the legacy of the series. Uh, The third, I completely agree with you. It's, embarrassingly bad um fourth one is fine i i I think willis is good in it um even if it goes pretty far over the top uh but i love with the vengeance that's also one of my favorite movies i think with the vengeance is just top-notch great new york action movie um with a lot of great stunts and you can't deny the chemistry between him and sam jackson uh but yeah with die hard it's just it feels flawless to me like it does you know you can despite the part you know parsing it out in minutes Yes, obviously there's things you can debate or what have you, but in terms of like a thrill ride of a movie that always delivers, I can always watch Die Hard, not a problem. Well, as you know, I'm not I'm not trying to. I know you're not. Uh, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't debase know. the movie. I, I get that. No. I, yeah, I, I, but you know, you go down minute by minute, and yes, you can like find things that you can question or what have you. But in terms of like, I'm watching Die Hard, 
no part of it's like this is false. <laughs> it's just like it's, it's just a right. movie. <laughs> right. And just so you know, you mentioned before about the thorns and the candy bars. Those are not in the script. I'm sure they're not. I'm, that's not so. I'm sure that's just a good beat moments for these people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For sure. Okay, so every Friday we have a segment called Weekend Surprise. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest debates about Die Hard that has been raging for years is Die Hard a Christmas movie or not? So what do you think, Aaron? His wife's and, name. Uh, show your work. His wife's name is Holly. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's so indebted. Like this isn't a debate to me. This is just obvious, and the fact that it keeps coming up every year is the curse of the internet uh you know every year we'll truck out certain things like hey remember when ben affleck made fun of michael bay about armageddon it's like yes i'm not 10 years old i've known this for years like die hard it's not just a matter of it's set during christmas therefore it's a christmas movie it's weaved into the story i mean the plot doesn't exist without there being a christmas party the music's the film's score incorporates christmas music throughout it Never mind all the visual representation of Christmas throughout this movie. Uh, I mean, like, it, it is purely a weaved into the film. Like, you, you, I, I've heard the argument, if you take Christmas away, you can still make this movie. I don't, I mean, you can say that about any movie. Like, you can, you can say, if you take this away, it's still, like, whatever. That's not, that's not the movie I watched. The movie I watched was the one that has Christmas interweaved throughout the film in a variety of different ways, beyond just the fact that it's December 24th. There is so many touches that explicitly reference the fact that it is Christmas and that this movie is set during Christmas. Uh, do I feel like it's controversial or do I feel like I'm edgy because I say I watch Die Hard on Christmas? No, I just feel like it's a movie that's a Christmas movie. That's it. <laughs> there's more okay. There's more Christmas in this fair. movie than there is It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> like, that movie's barely a Christmas <laughs> movie. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's a very good point. <laughs> and again, his wife's name is Holly. It doesn't like it's just it's right there. Like it's not this isn't a hard thing to argue. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. So you want to for one last time uh, tell people how they can get in touch with uh, Aaron Newworth? Sure. I have my blog, thecodazeek.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I write for leaveentertainment.com. That is for my movie reviews. I'm at yseblue.com for my Blu-ray and Criterion reviews. I have a podcast out now with Aaron and Abe with my friend Abe. We talk about weekly movie releases. And I'm on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Okay, great. And while you're doing that, you can go rate, review, and subscribe on any podcatcher you might be using to listen to this show. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Move Your Out Minute. You can find me on my website, which is moveyourminute.com. You can find me on Twitter, and you can find me on Facebook. So everyone have a great weekend. Thank you very much, Aaron. Thanks. And until Monday, yippee-ki-yay. Yippee-ki-yay.